Did the Rockets get screwed by the refs last night? Did the Thunder watch my video on their issues in order to improve? <laughs> Should the Bucks make a coaching change? The only question left is, say it with me, you in? Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. As always, I'm joined today by Dave Dufour, Dave Dufour NBA. <laughs> And um, it makes me laugh every time. I know it's great. And I know yeah. I, I got to laugh every time I do it. So it's <laughs> awesome. Um, you are. It's good to see you in a daytime. We're going to release this thing in the day this time. I think it's otherwise it won't be fresh. So uh, it is uh, Friday morning, Friday, December 29th, 29th, getting close to that be, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, wrapping up the year. It's, it's actually it feels nice. Doesn't it to pack away 2017, right? It's going away too too fast, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of snuck up on me. Um, you know, I'm moving in a few months, and you know, it feels like yesterday. It was like oh, I'm moving in about a year, and now yep. I've got like only yep. a few months left here, and in, in this beautiful weather. Where are you moving to again? San Antonio. Okay. So, going from uh, hot and dry to hot and humid. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I, I, there's a lot of people who would love to take that over what they're doing right now sure. uh, across the country. Absolutely. So I hope you're staying warm while you're watching this or listening to this. Excuse me. And uh, let's break into some NBA because uh, did you happen to catch the game last night, the Rockets Celtics game on TNT? I I caught the very end with uh, Marcus Smart drawing the offensive fouls. How did you feel about that? Yeah. I, well, first of all, I'm pissed because I watched the first half. And it was kind of a blowout, and I just sort of turned it off. And nobody on Twitter yelled at me to, hey, you better turn this game back on. I was really upset with Twitter. Um, so I watched it this morning. And uh, I, I, the first one looked legit to me. I thought he was you know, a lot of contact and it was an aggressive move. The second one I thought was kind of – I don't even know if it was a flop. I just think it should have just been a no call. Like Harden didn't look like he really pushed out at all with his arms – and he's just trying to like cut to a spot, and they're trying to pressure him. I'm not even sure that matters, though, because with no timeouts left, they're not getting a shot inside of 50 feet with three seconds to go. So it, it didn't really matter in some respects, but at least they deserve a chance to throw the ball up. Yeah, I, I think that, that first one on the inbound, um, that's a call that I just I cannot remember ever happening during an NBA game it's not you know they they allow so much pushing into the game inbounds and maybe that you know that's something they need to address you know maybe you know if they if they just called it consistently you wouldn't get much of an argument because you get a lot less pushing I mean we've talked about this with sideline uh, out of bounds um, especially late game sideline out of bounds Steph Curry you know getting grabbed and all this stuff and never getting never getting a call so maybe that's something the league needs to look at, the competition committee needs to look at. Um, but I just, I mean, I have a hard time with calling offensive fouls in general. Okay. Um, especially, you know, like I hate the charge. You you know that. Like I think it's it's one of the worst calls uh, that you can make at any time. And but to to make that call on the inbound, where it's it's a push off that you allow. For the rest of the game, I think it's atrocious. And and then, it, you know, it doesn't help that they only had two refs. 
Oh right, and it didn't help that the one of the rest was Tony Brothers. So uh, it was a it was a confluence of events there. I, I kind of just watched it again, by the way, because someone was arguing. Yeah, me Twitter too. This morning, what? Me too. I actually had it up right when I was talking, and and uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's and, and, you not know, good. The, the first one, it, it, there's like some contact. The second one, the, the, the context is like they were already jostling and Brothers goes over to talk to them. And so, of course, now that he's staring at them and them only, um, you know, and Harden is, is allowed to like cut and move. And, and, and I agree. Right. It's, you know, it, it was 3.7 seconds. So maybe he gets into the front court a little bit. But you never know what happens in that situation because he might get fouled, you know, and they're only down by yeah. one. Uh, in the bonus, like you know, a lot of crazy things could happen there. Um, so I don't know. I think it was it was just a really uh, unfortunate way to end. But that said, um, there was another play, another imbalance before that, where like Al Horford was on uh, Harden and like kind of hugging him. So like, why isn't that the foul too? Right. Right. You know. Yeah. So now, so now Harden is frustrated like because he off. can't get open. They're allowing him to hug. So he's now got to do something else to try and get open, and then they call him for that, and that's and that's where it gets troubling. Yeah, it, there's there's something a little off there. Um, I mean, and Houston itself has been a little off lately. You know, they, they're they've come down from that huge win streak, and they've had some some injury issues. Uh, Chris Paul missing last night's game again, um, but I, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I think hopefully they're thinking long term. I mean, you and I have talked about minutes management and, and load and all that stuff on these guys, especially this time of year. It's just not worth it to, you know, play James Harden 45 minutes in a game or, you know, Chris Paul 38 minutes in a game. I just don't I don't get the point in that. So um, but overall, I don't think Houston's, you know, Houston's season isn't isn't falling apart. Right. Uh, and and by the way, like, uh, you know, with Capella and with CP3 or even with just Capella, most likely they just they win that game going away. And when you watch right. that game down the stretch, it's like, how do they lose? They, they, they have a lead. They keep having a lead. There's like a three point lead with under 10 seconds to go. There's just no way they have to follow them. P.J. Tucker misses a free throw. That would have been a four point lead and then ends the game. So a lot of weird uh, confluence of events that probably won't happen again anyway, even with the current construction. A couple issues I do have, though, was, you know, you can't play Ryan Anderson down the stretch defensively if he's going to be marginalized on offense, which he was when you have Eric Gordon and Harden who just dominate the ball and isolate and take lousy shots. So it's a couple different things. So now maybe it doesn't matter when you have Capella in there and he can help out, whatever. But, I mean, Ryan Anderson's ineffective down there. And yeah. the other thing was is can Houston play with a lead down the stretch when they need to try and take some time off? Uh, they either go quick shot, three, or whatever, or layup, um, or it ends up just being a really bad ISO with hardly any time on the clock left. Uh, I don't. They need to find the middle ground. Yeah, they, they've struggled when Chris Paul is not out there to to find that middle ground. I mean, you and I talked about this. Uh, what game was that? Was that okay? It was the OKC Houston game. We talked about that where it was run down, chuck a shot, run down, chuck a shot, run down, chuck a shot. And that just isn't going to get it done in the playoffs. You, you need to be able to consistently run, you know, 15 to 18 seconds off the clock and still get a good look. That's not just an isolation play, um, especially when you're playing a team like the Warriors or something like that. Um, you know, switching sides, things like that. Yeah. Off ball actions, which which they're not running a ton of. And and now I know Mike D'Antoni's offense. It, it does have those elements. They're just not using them right now. And and maybe as the season progresses, we'll see more and more. Remember, there's a lot of new guys 
who you know are veteran guys, so it probably takes a little bit of time to kind of work your way into uh, what you're supposed to do there. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I still think they have the best shot of anyone of beating the Warriors because of their high variance. It's like them or San Antonio. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. What do you think about um, then, you know, the Thunder, who are now all of a sudden after, you know, a video goes out there, explains what's going wrong, and then they instantly <laughs> turn it around. Um, a guy does a podcast talking about all the different ways that they could use uh, Andre Robertson, and yeah, lo and behold, little, now they're using him. Yeah, it's, it's almost uncanny, like people are, but. <laughs> yeah, but I, let me look because um, at some point they they have some quality wins because I wanted to say like some of them were beating up on some bad teams, but there are some quality wins in this little streak they're on right now. And if you look at it real quick, uh, the, the last like what nine of the last ten games they've won, or maybe more than that. Uh, let's see, they've gotten um, the Rockets and the Raptors. The last two are the big wins they've been able to add, and they they hammer the Raptors. Even though, and to to be fair, the Raptors were on a second of a back to back. Sure. But, I mean, still, you got to win the games that are in front of you. True, true. So, so what we make um, of this? Uh, well, they're hitting shots now that they weren't hitting before. I, I think that part of this is they are sort of regressing to the mean or progressing to the mean, as, as this case may be. Um, I think Russell Westbrook just looks so much healthier. Remember, he had PRP uh, performed on that, on that knee right oh, wait, before the season started. That? He had it. It was right. It was in training camp. Remember, he had no training camp and no preseason. So I think he part part of it was recovering from the PRP itself. Obviously, there was an issue with the knee, but also getting back into shape. He he's actually looked a little heavy to me the whole season, and, and I've said it. Now the the weirdest part is that his free throws suffered so poorly. Like he was shooting so poorly from the free throw line, and he's been a very good free throw shooter. Um, so I don't know how much that. You know, maybe that knee really is is bugging him enough that it affected his free throws. I don't know, but I, I think now we're going to see the rust that we're kind of used to. He just definitely looks like he's got more explosion, just looks healthier, which is just huge for that team. Yeah, I, I was expecting when I looked at the last ten games to see like a really big uptick in his like usage rate, and it, it went up like one point or like maybe a little less than one point. So there's something there. But um, other than that, what else are you seeing that's like sort of radically changed to give them this big streak? Well, I mean, they're so they're using Robertson a, a little bit more. They're 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 actually working around his uh, limited offensive game. Um, they've also had people healthy. You know, Alex mm-hmm. Abrinas has been available. Patrick Patterson's getting back into shape. Um, I just think it's it's one of those things where this is not a bad team. I don't I still don't think they're not a great team, but this is not a bad team. And we just saw that they were not, not performing as well as we expected. I mean, Paul George wasn't even playing well. And Paul George has been one of the consistent players in the league when he's healthy. Um, so I just think that this is just – we're seeing them round into shape, figuring out how to play together. And knocking down shots has been the number one reason why they're winning these games is that Carmelo and Russell Westbrook are making shots now that they weren't making at the start of the season. You know what I think about when I hear you saying making shots? That's right, cooking amazing food in my kitchen. Each course is like another three-point swish from the top of the key, and the assist comes from Blue Apron. They're the number one fresh ingredient delivery service in the country, 
making incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. I know I'm not alone in my disdain for having to go shopping for food at the supermarket. And I swear, half the produce I buy goes bad before I cook it. Blue Apron eliminates that by delivering the food right to your door with each ingredient measured exactly and easy to follow recipes that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. You'll never have a recipe repeated within a year and they can customize them to your liking. Plus, the delivery schedule is tailored to your calendar. I just made their Chile butter steaks with lemon parmesan broccoli and potatoes and my whole family was giving me high fives the entire meal. The best part of all is that you can save $30 off your first meal by going to blueapron.com slash coachnick. That includes free shipping, so what are you waiting for? Head over to blueapron.com slash coachnick, save $30, and find out what it's like to cook and eat incredible home-cooked meals. Blue Apron, it's what's for dinner. Oh wait, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Now, the one thing about uh, whenever I was watching the, uh, the Thunder in the last 10 games, I, all, all I do is see the shot of the bench and Abrina sitting there. And I just kind of quickly called it up because you mentioned his name. And he really hasn't been playing a lot, which is kind of strange to me because I like he does have the ability to stretch the floor when he gets consistent minutes. And uh, he really hasn't. He, he, you know, he got 16 minutes against Utah on the 23rd, but then 255, you know, less than three minutes and then less than seven minutes the last two games. And uh, that's another issue I almost feel like with Donovan where it's hard to get a lot out of your role players when it's so inconsistent and all over the place. Now, Patrick Patterson is finally getting, you know, some good minutes across the season here where he's getting his, you know, in the last 10 games, it's, it's about 15, 16 minutes. And at least that's something to build upon because I really think that he can help. And whenever I'm watching them, they start to struggle. It's like... I'm always thinking to myself, why isn't he in? He, this he would help, and they don't. And they don't play him. It's very strange. Yeah, you and I were kind of on that um, early, uh, where you know he he's been he's again had some injury concerns, and um, I think they've been just slowly bringing him back, which is smart, right? It's long term thinking for once. Um, okay. And but Abrinas, to me, uh, that's the guy that should be starting instead of Robertson. Or at least Robertson should be getting like the Bogan start where he's out there for like the first couple minutes trying to check the other team's uh, best, you know, most potent offensive player. And if he's doing a great job, if he's on on offense, then you leave him in. (laughs) And if not, you pull him Uh, because it seems like he doesn't there is no middle ground for Robertson. He's either completely passable and fine and making layups. You know, he'll go like four or five or he is can't hit the broad side of a barn with a bazooka and you got to get him out of the game. Um, but with that being said, I think Abrinas and uh, Josh Hustis should both be getting more minutes. Um, you know, find a way to, to plug those guys in, get them out on the court, and that way they're ready for the spring. I mean, Hustis has been, I, I think he's been pretty good, at least on the eye test. I haven't looked at the numbers, but um, I like his length and I like his athleticism. Yeah, I think that might be one issue I have with Donovan, which is he's got a way too quick of a hook. And um, we saw that in the playoffs last year when Cantor got hurt in the pick and roll a couple times, and they cut to a shot of Donovan on the bench saying, I can't play him. And so he basically stopped playing him altogether when, I don't know, I choose to believe that even with a guy like Cantor, all right, so they scored like one or two times in a row. I guarantee you, like, if you run two or three more possessions – uh, pick and roll with him, like they're going to miss a couple of those. And then all of a sudden you're back down to, you know, one point possession per, you know, one point per possession. It's somewhat normal. You know what I mean? I almost feel like just by variance that that would happen. And yet he, and then, then you don't get anything on the other end, on the offensive end with him. So I almost feel like 
sometimes you just got to like, you can't just yank somebody after one or two plays, which will then is a great segue to the Bucks. Are you Have you been apprised of what's going on over there at all? No. Well, I, I woke up to Twitter Please this tell morning. Because, man, I got so frustrated with the Bucks that I said I needed a couple – I needed like a couple weeks off from the Bucks, um, so please fill me in. Uh, well, okay, I, I I woke up to a, a really great tweet. I got I should check it to give him a shout out if I can uh, if I can scroll back far enough with damn tweet deck. But anyway, a guy caught a great shot on the bench of Giannis turning to Malcolm Brogdon and like kind of saying, "Why aren't you in, bro?" And he kind of just gives him a shrug, and you know that's what they're talking about. It seems clear because he hadn't right. played yet, and it was a very strange substitution thing for that. And um, that's interesting because a guy like Brogdon, you know, the way he plays and the way he is, it doesn't seem like you want to screw around like by withholding minutes to try and make some sort of point, uh, I would think. Uh, and yeah. then they had another thing later on. I was reading later on a Twitter where they had Snell and uh, Henson were both yanked out of, off of the rotation because, and then they found out later that they didn't blitz a pick and roll that they had been talking about the whole time, and they sat them. And, so, and they had a really great answers. We're like, yeah, we, we didn't blitz, and then we did it later, and it, it sure worked then because we made sure to do it. Um, a couple different things. Is this signs of the crumbling Jason Kidd regime where he's feeling uh, pressured and like the need to assert more control because it's slipping away from him? Oh, are you... Or were we like comparing him to some sort of authoritarian dictator or, uh, you know, something like that? I don't know. Um, so the reason I said I needed like a couple weeks off is because Jason Kidd, what he does is so frustrating. Mm-hmm. I actually had high hopes for Jason Kidd as a coach. I know I would probably have supported him longer than most people or at least was giving him a, a longer leash. Um, but. His inability to come up with a defensive scheme with all of these guys who should be amazing defensive players, a workable defensive scheme, and to have all these shooters that he plays at one time, which often is four shooters around Giannis, and and to, to not be able to find space, as a matter of fact, to have less space than a team with no shooters, um, it's befuddling. And uh, as far as I know, the, with the his friendship with the ownership there, he's yeah. he's in it like he's he he's not going to lose the job. Um, now I, I never and you would never advocate for a guy to lose a job, but it's 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 weird to me that Earl Watson lost his job and Jason Kidd is able to keep his despite you know the the reports about rifts in the locker room and when we saw Giannis and and the assistant really get into it, we we've seen Malcolm Brogdon. Get, with his minutes getting jerked around, like I mean, there's just a lot of there's a lot of smoke there that they that the players are unhappy, um, and this is all from an outside perspective. I don't have any kind of insight on this, and obviously the team performance. I mean, they lost to Chicago twice in the last two weeks. Yeah, and their record right now, they they did pull it out against Minnesota, which was I thought they were. Let's see, I think they were losing. Um, yeah, it was it was a close game the whole way through, and they pulled it out at the end. And it, it kind of felt yeah. like, and I tweeted this out last night, where it's like, you know, if they fall below 500, and they're 18 and 15 right now. Before they won, they were 17 and 15. And like, you know, let's say they lose that game, and it gets closer. Like, I think if they fall below 500, um, it's going to be that'll be enough pressure, I would think. Um, you know, um, amongst all the other things. And, you know, from what it sounded like, I just, I need to go check again to make sure. Uh, it, it was the, this blitzing in the pick and roll, which is a very old school uh, method of trying to defend that. And I think with Butler out there, 
Um, they want to get a Butler out of Butler's hands, which makes sense. But then again, if it's someone like Carl Anthony Towns rolling off of that, you're going to get you're going to get roasted. Um, and so that is the interesting thing where like he it sounds to me and, I, and what we, I've seen I've watched the, several Bucks games this year is he's sort of clinging to a uh, a notion of basketball that was played not in this era. Right. And at some point, you know, these guys are uh, the uh, the owners of the Bucks. They're uh, they're uh, what are they? They're uh, money guys, right? Um, yeah. They see inefficiencies. They see the need. You know, they they understand uh, ownership change or you know leadership change. So I don't know if they're it's if it's going to be a thing where he's just so safe where they're never going to get rid of him. Yeah, I, I <laughs> on that podcast I did with Mo, um, where we kind of talked about the evolution of defense a little bit. We talked about. You know, the Miami Heat blitzing style that they would incorporate every now and then just would get roasted nowadays. And that's essentially what the Bucks are trying to do the whole game. And in order to do that, you have to be perfect in every single rotation, you know, because most teams are playing four or five shooters. And you, you're just asking for trouble. Um, you run that against the Warriors, man, and they're going to – okay, that's fine. They're going to go four on three, and they're going to – just destroy you and either get a layup or a corner three. And so it's just an old school way of thinking. And then you look at the best defensive teams in the league, like the Spurs. Look at what they do with personnel who are not known as good defenders. Pau Gasol. I mean, LaMarcus is actually good now. Um, they've gotten LaMarcus to, to actually be really good. Right. Um, but Pau Gasol, Joffrey Laverne, uh, David Lee last year. You know, we, we talked about this. It's conservative. They drop back. They zone up. They do all these things, and and they just I, I just I don't know, man. I don't know how you can look at the league and look at what the smart teams are doing and think, you know, what we need to do is try to be perfect, and we we have to play a defensive style that requires perfection. It's just not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. NBA players are too skilled offensively for for that sort of scheme to work on a regular basis. I I just. You right. can you can employ it when it like in spurts, but to do it the whole game just makes no sense. Right, and I was watching the actually the Rockets do it, and they weren't blitzing, but they were like hedging, high hedging, like old school, and it was sort of working against the Celtics for a little while down the stretch. It wasn't killing them; they were able to get back. But yeah, it, it consistently when you're going to blitz like that, we saw in the 2014 Finals. The Spurs laid out the the roadmap, and by the way, if you go back further, at some point like in the 80s. Uh, the pick and roll was you ran the pick and roll, and if they hedge like that, you hit the roll man, and then it's a layup. They go right to the basket. And then at some point, they were getting good at overloading, and the Bulls decided to say, okay, we're going to then release the pressure with a pass to the wing and then swing it and then try and find the advantage there. And we saw that with Dwight Howard and those guys with Orlando when they would, they would run it that way. They wouldn't throw it to Dwight right away off the pick and roll. They would hit the wing and then hit Dwight down low. Um, but... So, so that enabled you then to keep blitzing because the, all the ball handler was trying to do was string it out and make a pass in the wing. Now, though, when we watch what the, the Spurs have done with the short roll, which kind of became back in fashion, and now they have these big guys who can scream, they can actually handle the ball like Draymond and, uh, and so on. 
Um, yeah, you're right. All of a sudden, blitzing gets two of your guys out of position, and now it's a three-on-two in the half court every time. Um, every team is good at doing that. And then you're right. Not only is it a three-on-two, which you could get a good close shot if you wanted, but then you're also giving up an unopened three, and that's when you get the cascade of events. So that's why, yeah, you need to be able to bend it, don't break. I did a video on this describing how the best three-point defense uh, uh, three-point percentage defensive teams play, and that's the biggest thing was bend but don't break. Keep them out on the right. perimeter. Do not let a middle penetration, and certainly don't let them hit the, uh, the short roll. Right. And NBA offense now is designed to trigger a closeout, right? It's it's triggered a closeout. You attack the closeout or you pass to the next guy. It's it's all it's a cascade of events. And you're just trying to buy a one second window for an open shot or a drive. And I, I'm sorry, there's just no way to defend against that sort of offense when you've got two players that are sometimes 30 feet from the freaking basket Um and you you're giving up all this space. You just make you just make it easier. Uh, I, I think it's ridiculous that that this is still happening and it's you know this late into the season. And it's a bummer too because man, the Bucks they have a lot of guys that are fun to watch. I mean, Giannis is just. I mean, the Greek Freak is possibly the greatest nickname of all time. And when you watch him, he just looks like like an alien. It's like him and Kevin Durant are from the same planet. Yeah. He just dunks. He just dunks it whenever he wants to. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. a guy just dunk this often, this many. I mean, with look at the numbers, but geez. <laughs> and and by the way, we're not talking out of our ass here on the defensive end. They're 23rd in defensive rating. 20, and, uh, I've, on B-Ball B- reference, uh, I've got uh, 25th. So. Oh, wait, I am on B-Ball Yeah, I mean, they're bad. I've got 23rd. Oh, I've got 25th. So that's a refresh? What's going on here? Yeah, refresh, man. Refresh your... 23rd, Why you got man, old data? 9.9. What do you oh. have? Maybe I've got old data. I've got 110.9. Okay. Either way, it's bad. Anyway, yeah. And their offense Man, is top is, 10. Is basketball reference fake news? It's, it could be yeah, fake the, news, absolutely. Yeah, Anything, everything Rockets is fake are, news. Yeah, the Rockets are top 10. Um, you know, Oklahoma City's top 10. Portland is somehow top 10 still. Um, yeah. But I yeah, I, like... But to be if you're if you're gonna be twenty fifth in defense, like the Cavaliers are twenty seventh in defense, um, but they're third in offense. Milwaukee's ninth in offense. I mean, it, you have to be a top five offense to be able to compete with a defense that's bottom five. Right, and so and even then, you're not winning a yeah. title. So, and that's what we're seeing. Eighteen, you're going to hover around five hundred, and you're going to be able to have like a stretch here and a stretch there, and then you're going to have really bad basketball as well mixed in. So. Um, that's the thing. But, but of all the teams, it's clear to me why Cleveland is terrible defensively. But when you look at the Bucks roster and who they have, you know, they should be 15th. You know, they should be 12th. It should be better than that just by length and, and athletic ability. Yeah. I mean, the personnel, it, for a defensive coach, I think that personnel would be a dream come true. I, I like I, I look at it and I just think about all these interesting things you could do defensively. You could switch everything. Right. Um, you know, Giannis can guard one through five and and suffocate it. Um, and then on the offensive end, which is I know how frustrating it is to you. You're actually the one that pointed it out to me because, you know, I just you noticed Middleton kind of standing in no man's land and just clogging up the driving lane for Giannis and not spacing out the way he's supposed to. And it somehow it looked like 1987 NBA right. offense. And I, by the way, I love the high post split, but it's like they run it so often now after so many years 
that the teams really feel like they're not getting they're not getting any kind of action out of it. It's just a waste of about eight or nine seconds before they go into something else, which is just uh, really too bad, especially because of the Giannis thing. They need more action getting Giannis, like coming around screens and getting dribble handoffs and all those kind of things, and that's, that's what we're missing. Again, it's a little bit of a 90s thing. Like Jason Kidd is sort of coaching the way he played in, in that era, and that's, that's the problem here is he needs to kind of go to a – I don't know, a clinic or I don't know, watch some videos, something, <laughs> get some more creative things in there. And again, they're ninth in offense. So like, what are you going to say? So they're going to bump up to eighth or seventh, like big deal. But I think it does, it does affect everything, right? The more space and energy and flow you get to the offenses, it does influence the defense, uh, gets guys touching the ball more uh, and gets them more energy. So um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, it's frustrating because they should be better. They should be, um, the, the pace. I mean, the Pacers have a better record than them, I think, right? And and who's more fun to watch? You know, right. <laughs> like the Pacers are actually a lot of fun to watch. I, mean, I, I hate to look at it that way, but the the reality is that modern NBA basketball is a lot of fun. You know, right. all of the best teams are a lot of fun. I mean, Cleveland is fun to watch on offense. Yeah, uh, the Warriors, the Rockets, like all of these teams. Toronto, Toronto. It's so much fun to watch now on offense. You know, they're moving the ball and things are happening. And it's just like for guys like you and me who are who are nerds about the intricacies of NBA offense and defense, like there are teams that are fun to watch. And Milwaukee has some of the guys that I love to watch just individually. I mean, Giannis is uh, we talked about, but I like Tony Snell. Um, I like Bledsoe. I mean, Bledsoe is able to do some things that that not a lot of guys can do because he's. He's stout, you know, stout point guard. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um, but Bledsoe, Bledsoe is a plus, but yeah. he also uh, he he could be infuriating in that Russell Westbrook way. Absolutely, um, sure. And that's yeah. that's an issue for me. Any 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 point guard that creates more offense for himself than than allows like the offense to create for him is going to get frustrating. Yeah, but also but like part he's of this, one of those, I wonder if it's the system. He's also one of those guys with like the, the real defensive reputation that doesn't really deserve it. Uh, I think he's really good on ball. He's a few but, years removed from that. Yeah, and he, but he's still good on ball. He can make plays, but man, does he get lost out there on the weak side? It's in that same Russ way, and um, and then offensively, like he, he does more good than bad. But man, it gets close sometimes, and it's really frustrating. But. Uh, so that's the kind of guy I don't know if he's consistent enough to give you to get you to the point where you want to get to the conference finals. Like that's that's the issue that I might have with that. But you know, whatever. It's not. A, it's it, right now. I'm not. My my antenna are up, but not like completely frustrated. But in the last couple of minutes, I did want to talk about uh, Toronto because you mentioned them, and uh, I just did a video on them. Uh, really terrific stuff. Now their offense. What is interesting was there's a significant decrease in scoring by both DeRozan and Lowry, and that's enabled the other guys to bubble up a little bit more and get more touches, and that's just been a revelation for them. They're, they're on pace to win more games than they ever have in their franchise history. You know, uh, I don't know if you, if you checked out Dwayne Casey on Zach Lowe's pod. You know, I meant to put the little snippet into the video, and I was sort of in a hurry. I didn't do it, and I'm kicking myself because, yeah, there was some really good insight in there. It was fantastic. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where you and I were worried that, that he was actually going to lose his job um, because of the whole uh, the Maasai uh, talking about a culture change and all these things. And normally that starts with the coach. Um, I think that that Maasai's decision to do a culture change with a guy who was who was in-house 
is proven to be the right one. And and kudos to Dwayne Casey for a being willing to willing to evolve, and then to Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry for for buying into this evolution. I mean, yeah. it's going to make their careers better and probably longer. As you see, like Kyle Lowry playing fewer minutes than than ever, he should be ready to go for the playoffs, which you know has been an issue like wear and tear. They've just been a lot of fun. And when you listen to that podcast, you can see like Dwayne Casey seemed like he was really excited about the change, you know, like he like and and that the team really jumped in and embraced it. I think bringing in a guy like CJ Miles was really important for them. He's played really well coming off the bench. Um, a full season of Serge Ibaka has been mm-hmm. good for them. Having Ibaka attack closeouts and handle the ball a little bit, like stuff that we've never really seen him do. Mm-hmm. Um, Pascal Siakam's development, where he's actually kind of like this this weird version of Draymond Green a little bit uh, offensively, um, has been good. Well, even, um, uh, even among them, like Anunobi is the guy who I love. Oh, yeah. Love the yeah. guy. He's a 43% three-point shooter. He's got an eight-foot wingspan. He's, he's insane. And he went 23rd in the draft. Yeah. That, because he's, of, yeah, right. By the way, I, the I'm going to do a video of redoing the draft uh, this year already. And people said, oh, you got to oh, wait I or something. In. No, I'm going to do it. I want it. in on that one. Okay. Because like, I'm telling in. you right now, if you redid the draft, it, it, like first of all, it would be all changed. But like, it, it's going to be uh, uh, remarkable how many good players there are. And, it, and remember, it was touted that way. And it really is. Yeah. I can't get over the fact how many of these good and players And we haven't even out. seen... We haven't even gotten to see Markel Fultz yet, who is a good player. Right. By the way, you know, whatever who happened was to that? With like, him? his shoulder can't still be hurt? I think, I well, so my assumption is it's the the shoulder thing, but also there's now the mental component. And and so maybe they're they're rehabbing that part, right? Like working him back, getting his shot back to normal. Because remember, this is a guy who was drafted because of his shot, especially off the dribble. So, um, you know, I, I think... Fultz is going to be good. I loved Brett Brown's comments earlier this week where he talked about how he sees him as a natural leader. Now, whether that's true or not, it means, I mean, Brett Brown wouldn't go out of his way to say these things if Brett Brown, you know, didn't feel like uh, Markel Fultz was an important piece for this team. So it's good to know that, like, he's gone but not forgotten. I mean, he's there. You know, he's on the bench. But uh, hopefully he's – I hope he's back soon, man, because – I really think that that's a, a dimension that team could use, and and I I hate to see a young guy have his career start out so rough, um, you know, sort of like Lonzo, right? Like Lonzo starts coming around and then spraining the shoulder, and so I'm hoping that when he comes back, he's still feeling the the, the pace and and speed of the game, and which obviously you know he had kind of caught up to. So yeah, I, I I'm down with that, man. I think that it would be fun to go back and look. I mean, look at Lowry marketing. I have crapped all over the Bulls for taking him seventh. I still think it was a reach, but he's been good. Oh, yeah. He looks like he's going to be a really good player. So it's like, okay, well, maybe you reached at seven, but okay. I mean, he's still got a good player out of it. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a good draft. It's fun, man. These young guys are so much fun. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is, man, that guy is going to be like my favorite player by the end of this year. I just love him. 
Yeah, and it's going to be a, tr- a tough choice between uh, who's going to be rookie of the year when you got a couple of these guys who are really balling. Um, and I and by well, the way, especially with Simmons kind of taking a downturn lately. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think I think the story was as they were winning, that was a really nice way to ride into that that position too, and they're sort of been struggling recently. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I got a video coming up, uh, I think today even uh, of the best front office of the last few years, and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. You want to take a guess? Uh, Houston. <laughs> Oh, and by the I mean, way, I'd I'm go, sorry. I'd, I'd say Golden State. I need but. a better description of it because it's not front office per se. It's the draft. Who's drafted the okay. best over the last Who's three years? Who's drafted the best? So well, I, would still, I would still argue Golden State just because of the value that they're able to get. I mean, Jordan okay. Bell, who is a, a starting center on a on what's going to be a championship team. They got him yeah. you know, for $3.5 million uh, in the second round of the draft. True. That that is not a bad. That's not a bad one. I think there's another one out there. I'm gonna. I'm choosing. So, but I'll I'll reference them as well. Anybody else you want to reference besides the Warriors? I mean, you could say the Sixers. It, it, to me, it's it's easy to draft if you're up at the top of the draft, right? So it's less impressive to me if you get a good player with a top five pick. Uh, um, okay. I feel like I'm in that yeah. Saturday Night Live sketch where they're. Uh, do you ever see that on the on the uh, a weekend update with the uh, Ryan Gosling? Uh, Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so uh, I don't know. I, I only feel like if you look at the in a macro sense of all those top sure. ten picks, the uh, picks six, six through twelve, a lot of those are busts that never come to fruition. Aren't like you know rotational players. So I don't know. I feel like you know top three, four, sure. But like after that, it's it's tough. And if you start nailing them consistently and you get a lot of production, and I so this, you haven't guessed who I'm going to choose. So I'm excited. Boston. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! All right, okay. yeah. All right. Well, you have to wait, wait and see then. Sit tight. So I'm excited for that one. <laughs> cool. It makes me feel even better now about it. So all right. Well, listen, Dave. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great podcast. We get this up right now. It's hot and fresh. And yeah, uh, don't and then forget, we're going support- back to our normal schedule next week. Let's do it, man. I'm ready for you. Right, let's. Yeah, we we got to remind everyone we're going back to the normal schedule. So right. go ahead and get those those ratings and reviews on iTunes. Yes, the kids so are going everybody back to school. Knows to listen. All right, right, great. Let's do it. We'll get back to our regular schedule next week. And thanks for joining me today. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs>